you would turn your Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 19, for our thoughts this morning. We're going to be looking at the triumphant entry of our Savior into Jerusalem the week before he was crucified and died for us. And when you get there, stand with me, please. All right, Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 28. And when he had thus spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, whereon you... Yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man asks you, why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent their way and found even as he had said unto them, as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they sat Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitudes said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you. Thank you for this time you've given us to come together in your house, in your name, to worship you. And Father, we just pray now as we go into the preaching hour that you'll bless the breaking of the bread of life. You'll give me the words to say, to preach with boldness and authority, and Lord, to Feed your sheep this morning. Thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you sent your Son into the world to die and pay the penalty for our sins. And, Father, my prayer is everybody under the sound of my voice this morning knows you as Lord and Savior. But, Lord, if there's one here, though, today that's yet to do it, they're not saved or they're not sure or not. Let it get settled today before it's eternally too late. Father, be of the sick, the afflicted, be of those it's our duty to pray for. And Father, again, thank you that we're able to be here together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please take a seat. As my brother said, this is the triumphant entry of Christ into Jerusalem. This is what they call the Passion Week. Uh... Basically what it is, it's the coronation of a king. Amen. 
Because the king I'm talking about is not King Richard or King Arthur. I'm talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Understand, it was a coronation, but it was a coronation not like the world had ever seen. Understand, Jesus is going into Jerusalem, and he has about a week left in his life. He knows before he even enters into Jerusalem what he has waiting for him. You see, before God created man, created the heavens and the earth, in eternity past, Jesus already knew he would have to go to the cross and provide his redemption so that his creation could be saved. Even before man came along. It's amazing to me. But understand, even though it's a coronation of a king, and people at that time, Jerusalem, about 80,000 people, they estimate, populated the city. But when Passover came, people came from all over the world, you might say, that area. And they estimate between 2 and 3 million people were there for Passover. So that's a lot of people. And notice, they were shouting, Hosanna. Hosanna. Of course, you know what Hosanna means, right? It means save now. But they were praising him, but oh, the praising stopped just a few days later. Lots of fickle people out there. Amen? But anyways, that's why he was going. It's now time for him To reveal that the Messiah, their Messiah had come. The Christ was there amongst them. But again, some men are misguided. They didn't recognize him as that. They recognized him as a great teacher. A miracle worker. He could do great things. But they couldn't accept him as the Messiah. People can't accept him today. They don't want to recognize him as the Christ. Oh, they've heard about him. They think he's a good person. Some do. Others just don't want nothing to do with him, period. They curse him. They mock him. They're misguided. Because let me clue you in on something. We're either going to bow and recognize him as Christ and the Messiah Today, in salvation, or you can wait and die and face him to judgment, but you're going to recognize him as the Messiah and the Christ. So I would encourage you, do it today. Don't wait till then, later. Now, notice what it says. And it came to pass when he was come to night of Bethphage and Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in which at your entering you shall find a colt tied. We're talking about a young donkey, a donkey that's not even broke. Now, I was raised in the country. My grandpa had horses and he had donkeys. Donkey's stubborn. And I will tell you, you don't climb on one if it's not broke. Because you know what's going to happen? It's going to break you. Because it's going to bounce you. Okay, but notice something. In Bethphage, Jesus said 
to you disciples. Now, the Bible doesn't say who those, who those disciples were. Don't know. But I do know this. They obeyed the Lord and they went and did what he told them to do. And beloved, you and I as the Lord's disciples are to be willing to obey the Lord and do what he tells us to do. No matter if it's major or if it seems not important, we are to submit ourselves to do whatever his will is for our lives. Now I will say this. Doesn't say, so this is just Pastor John here. I can imagine the two, even though they went, they probably thought to themselves, can you believe he asked us to do this? Go and bring a donkey to the Lord. That proves they were Baptists because they murmured and complained. Amen? Proves they were Baptists. Murmuring and complaining. But, no joke aside, they were obedient. And they found that donkey tied up just as the Lord had said it would. And he said, hey, you get there. And someone says, hey, what are you doing? Tell them, Master has you seven. And they'll let you have him. Now, there are writers out there, and I've even, I won't give his name, but he ain't Baptist, and I don't even know if he's saved. But in his book concerning the triumphant entry, Brother Ciro, he said that Jesus had times before had gone and set everything up, had asked the owners. I want to tell you something. This is what I thought when I read it. Hmm. So Jesus made the arrangements, went to the owner weeks before and had all of this set up. I guess Jesus did the same thing to the fish that Peter caught with the money for taxes. He had it set up with the fish. No, what it proves is he's God. It proves he is sovereign over every single thing. That's what it proves. Aren't people ignorant? They're ignorant. You say, Brother John, you shouldn't say that. That's offensive. I don't mean to offend you, but if you're ignorant, you're ignorant. Amen? Hey, the Apostle Paul said... Let a man be ignorant. And there's some crazy folks out there. Now, let me get back to the, him going into Jerusalem. You know this is fulfillment of prophecy. In fact, Zechariah 9.9. 9. Brother Gerald, read that real quick for me. Zechariah 9.9. 9. And that is in the Old Testament, by the way, brother. <laughs> Just to save you some time. Zechariah 9.9. 9. It was to fulfill prophecy. You see, God wanted to glorify His Son. Now, there's a quick, and quick, we got to do this quickly, but there's another prophecy concerning this. 
Over in the book of Daniel, chapter 9. In fact, turn over there real quick. We'll make it real quick, I promise. And then we'll get back to the scope of the message. Huh? Well, sister, yeah, I may have to fly out of here. Y'all might get some mad at me. I have to flee from my life. I kind of doubt that. You can't scare me with heaven. 925. Daniel 925. I still hear some pages, so I'll give you a second. Daniel 925. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks. And three score and two weeks, the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. When Artaxerxes gave the command to have the children of Israel rebuild the temple, from the time that he gave that command to the time Jesus entered in during the triumphant entry, it was exactly 400 And 83 years, 69 weeks, again, prophecy fulfilled. Listen, you think God does anything by accident? No! Listen, all of this was planned in eternity past. Now that blows my mind, I can't even comprehend it, I won't even try. But we serve an infinite all-knowing, all-powerful God. Amen. And we don't give Him the credit and the praise that we should. Now, go back to our text. Luke 19. So just as Jesus said, they found this young donkey colt. And they bring him to the Lord. Notice what it says. And they were sent up their way and found even as he had said unto them. Verse 33. And they were, as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto him, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus. And they cast their garments upon the colt. And they set Jesus thereon. Of course, remember, this isn't. A broken donkey. But yet, understand, they didn't have a saddle, but they set their own garments on that donkey so that the Lord could sit on top of it to ride it. And understand, when the Lord got on that donkey, that donkey was submitted to Christ. That donkey didn't buck. That donkey wasn't afraid of the crowd and the noise and the shouting. It was there for the Lord to use because the Lord has dominion over all His creation. Jesus sets on that and they start to descend down into Jerusalem. And again, there's a great throng and crowd there. And they're crying out, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the Lord. By the way, that's another prophecy 
that is fulfilled. Over in the book of Psalms, I think it's 108 or 118, I can't remember. But it's over there. Check me out. See if I'm telling you a story. I'm not. But, again, here he comes. I don't think we ever pay attention to the fact as he is descending, going into the city, can you imagine what must have been on his mind? You see, he knows he was fixing to go to the cross to die in our place. He knew that he would be brought before Pilate. Pilate would have him scourged and beaten and mocked and then crucified on the cross. He knew every bit of that was what awaited him. It must have been heavy. It must have been truly a burden. You see, do you think it's by accident that Jesus chose a donkey? You see, donkeys are considered beasts of burden. Jesus came into the world to bear our burdens. And not only that, donkeys represented animals of peace. You see, those that were screaming out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, when they were there lined up, putting palm trees down and praising the Lord and all. You see, their hope was that he had come to deliver them from Roman bondage, set them free. But you see, Jesus came humbly and in peace. He didn't come on a great white steed like a conquering king would. But listen to me. When he comes the second time around, he will be on a white horse and he will have put down death and hell in the grave and he will have put down sin and Satan forever for us. And he will rule and he will reign in majesty and in glory. But it wasn't his time yet. We're still waiting for that time. Folks, it's a lot closer than what you think. I believe it with all my heart. He's coming. You better be ready. Amen. You better be ready. Now, notice... Everybody is crying out to the Lord. And, and you know, I've often thought to myself, two to three million people. So that would mean basically everyone that Jesus ever healed, performed a miracle on, they would have had to have been in that crowd. 
cheering him on. But the sad thing is, for everyone that he did a miracle for, look at all of the ones that noticed and witnessed and saw the miracle for themselves, yet they still wouldn't believe. That should break our hearts. Now, notice it says, And when he was come nigh even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Why are we afraid of worship? Why are we afraid to praise the Lord? And I'm not talking about this hooey-fooey stuff you see on TV that says it's worship. And no, it's not. It is entertainment and it is to bring attention to themselves. But I'm talking about God's people who are called by His name that have a heart and a love for the Savior that just want to praise Him and worship Him in spirit and in truth. That's what I'm talking about. Not to be seen, but as a church, it should be our desire to praise and worship the Lord, not just at Easter. Resurrection Sunday is a day to celebrate. We don't need to keep it all to ourselves until Resurrection Sunday or Christmas Day as we celebrate His birth. No, for the church, every Sunday should be a day of worship and praise for who He is. Amen. Amen. You'll agree with me with that, right? Then why do we keep it to ourselves? You afraid to say amen? Somebody might hit you with the Bible? No one's going to hit you with the Bible unless you're asleep. Then they might hit you with the Bible to wake you up. But no one's going to. No, there's nothing wrong. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But I'm a Baptist. We can't. You can. And I'll, I'll let you know a little secret. It was Baptists that shouted first before any Pentecost came down the line. Amen? That's a fact. They were all shouting. They were praising the Lord. But the sad thing is as Jesus is going into the city, he knows what's ahead because he is God. The sad thing is that same exact crowd that was praising him was the same exact crowd that would cry out later before Pilate, away with him, crucifying. Because... Again, as I said before, they were misguided. And yet, Jesus went into the city knowing what was ahead of him. And you know why? Because he loves us. That's the only reason. It couldn't have been for anything else. He has 
to love us. Now, notice verse 39. I get a kick at this. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitudes said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. <laughs> Can you imagine? Just looking at what's wrong with these people. You see, they didn't want the people to have anything to do with Jesus. They were jealous of the Lord. And they hated the Lord. Master, tell your people to shut up. And I love our Savior's reply. Hey, if they shut up, the very stones, and if you've ever been to Israel, it's a stony place. There's lots of rocks. The very stones would cry out. And what he's talking about, creation all in itself would worship and cry out in praise to the Lord. Why? Because God the Father was well pleased. Remember when he was baptized by John in the Jordan River? And he came out of the water. What did the Father say? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And it was to signify one that the Father and the Son were in perfect fellowship with one another. And two, he's worthy of our praise. And God the Father was going to ensure that we recognize him. Now, here's the sad thing. The very... Next verse, it says, Jesus beheld the city and he wept. Now the people are praising him. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Save us, Lord. Hosanna. Save us. Save us now. But as Jesus beholds the city, as he beholds the people, as he beholds the temple, it caused him to weep. What did he see? Well, first of all, he saw... The people at that time seemingly showing their affection for him. But you see, when Jesus sees a heart, he knows what's in the heart. They didn't have true love. Oh, there were a few there that did. Bartimaeus, Zechariah, Lazarus, Mary, Martha. There were those that genuinely loved him. But the vast majority served him with their lips, but their heart was far from him. So he wept because he saw that. He saw their hearts. They were lost as sheep in need of a shepherd. They were there, but they weren't there. But I'll tell you what else 
caused him to weep. When he looked over that city, the capital, Jerusalem, city of David, he saw what was ahead. You see, when he looked over the city, he knew within 40 years, Titus would lead the Roman soldiers to attack Jerusalem and literally destroy the city and the temple. They would take siege of it. And in fact, 80,000 was the population of Jerusalem at that time. When Titus and the Roman legions came to destroy the temple and the city, they killed over 30,000 Jews. Killed them. And Jesus saw what was coming. And remember what he said over in Matthew? Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, thou that killeth the prophets and stoneth them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thee as a chicken gathers her chicks, but you would not. Yeah, that's why he wept. Now, here's my question. We know that he came. We know why he came. And we know that he died. And next week we will be celebrating his resurrection. Because he lives, those of us are going to live also. But my question is this. As he was amongst the crowd... And he was amongst those in the temple. Oh, they saw a physical person. But they truly didn't see Jesus for who he really was. He was God. Amen. He was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He was the Savior. Here's my question. When Jesus comes through those doors here at Lone Mountain... Who does he see with us? I got even a better question. Do we see him? That's the question that only you and I can answer individually. He sees us for who we are. He knows us. He knows our spiritual condition. He knows if we're saved. He knows if we're lost. But do we see him? Does he weep when he comes to Lone Mountain? I pray he doesn't. And of course, it talks about he went back to Bethany. You can read about his triumphant entry in Matthew, Mark, here in Luke. Uh, 
he went back to Bethany. Why? Well, because he was loved there in Bethany. He had some friends over in Bethany. He knew he was loved there. Can he say the same thing about Lone Mountain? Don't go there, preacher. I just did. Can he say, hey, that bunch over at Lone Mountain, they love me. I think I'll go over there and spend a little time because I know I'm welcome. There's a lot of folks out there, a lot of churches out there. They don't want Jesus coming to the house because they're afraid he'll do what he did the temple, overturn the money changers and say, hey, you've made my house a den of thieves when it's supposed to be a house of prayer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to close by saying just this. Jesus, for three and a half years, was doing his ministry to fulfill the will of the Father. He was God in the flesh. He came and offered himself to atone for our sins. And Jesus knew this was the last week before he was to give himself in our place. No one forced him. He did it because he loved us. And even though it had to have been a heavy burden to carry, knowing what awaited him. And please understand this. Yes, he was God in the flesh, but he was also holy man. Listen, he would feel what you and I would feel. He would feel pain. He would feel rejection. He would feel being mocked. But yet, he left the portals of heaven and the riches of his glory to become poor that we, by accepting him as our Savior, might be made rich. What a Savior! That old song, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Absolutely. He's worthy of our praise. Don't ever be ashamed to praise him. Amen. What a Savior. Alpha and Omega. Beginning and the end. He is the I Am. He's the Prince of Peace. And I could keep Going on and on and on, which proves he's worthy of our praise. So, we just saw a little bit of the coronation of a king. But listen to me. One day, in glory, the streets of gold are going to be lined with all of the redeemed. And there is going to be a grand 
coronation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. I'm looking forward to it. I'm probably going to be on the very tail end of that bunch. But praise the Lord, I'm going to be there. Amen. How about you? Amen. If you're here today, Jesus loves you. Died for you. And he wants to save you. You see, what's so good about the Lord is he's here, right here, right now. And guess what? If you're lost, he can redeem you. If you're here and you've been saved, but you've kind of gotten away from praising and living for the Lord like you once did, guess what? He's here. He can revive you and restore you. You see, he's here to meet every need we have. You just got to obey his voice and come to him. So will you do that this morning? If you're here today, and you have a need, the Lord will meet that need. And one other thing. Who is, Bob, come on up, sister. One other thing. Maybe you're here, you're saved, you know it, and you love the Lord. You'd just like to come to the altar and thank Him for what He's done for you, what He's doing for you, and what He's going to do for you. Hey, Come up to the altar, praise him for it, thank him. Don't be afraid to worship and praise our king this morning. Amen? Stand, please. Let's bow our heads. We'll go to the Lord in prayer. Father, that's the word. Thank you for allowing me this time. Share it. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for enduring the cross for me and for the world, Lord. Lord, help us to praise you. Help us to be submitted as your people. Lord, we look forward to the day that you're coming again. Lord, if there's one here that's misguided, like the Pharisees, like those that were there that day, crying out praises, but then, Lord, calling out to have you crucified, Lord, we just pray you'll deal with those hearts. And Lord, if there's one that needs to come for salvation, Lord, please let them come before it's too late. Bless the invitation. May you receive the honor and the glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let me say just one other thing. I can't, Lord. Lots of folks cry out to the Lord when there is a need. Physical need, maybe financial, and they'll cry out, oh Lord, this and that. But then when those needs are met, back to never calling on the Lord. I pray you and I see that He's just more than one to call on when I'm at the emergency room or when the bills do and I don't have the money to pay. You see, he is the Savior. Call out to him. 
and recognize who he is when you have a need. If you got that need this morning, come. Brother Bob.